0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
1: $45
2: up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
3: The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM.
1: Hear the full show on our app, by podcast, or on 96FM.ie.
3: Connecting to the big show.
1: In three, two, one. This school
4: is just not encouraged. We're crying out for young people to do apprenticeships. What you
1: need to do is be on my side. Every time that it happens, we have to talk about how the good men feel. They
3: sent me on for psychiatric assessment and they said that the thing that's going to fix it is housing. We're the one for cork and ready to talk. Can
1: we just talk? Call 0818 96 96
3: 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96.
1: Email opinion at 96fm.ie.
3: The lines are live.
1: Let's kickstart the conversation.
3: This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan
1: on Cork's 96fm.
4: Not too sure I'm too keen on that idea about buying a bar of chocolate and not knowing what it It's going to taste like until I eat it. I mean, sweets and stuff are expensive enough these days without not knowing what's going to be in them. I mean, imagine if it's something awful, you know, like broccoli flavoured chocolate or some something like that. You never know. I, I I don't know. I don't know whether I could do that. Nice idea though, it's good marketing from Cadbury. Good morning, Friday, sunny. What more do you want? 0818-969696 0818-969696 96 96 96. Text to WhatsApp, is 083-396-9696 96 96. Now, I just want to throw something out there before we get underway this morning What do you think of this recommendation from the HSE? Now, we've talked many times over the years to people who've had home births to people who wanted to have a home birth to people who couldn't in their last thought countenance a home birth we've discussed home birth at considerable length over the years on the opinion line but this recommendation has raised eyebrows they say that taking into a number into account a number of factors including risk level uh, the rate at which home births have to be shifted to hospital effectively um, and a number of other things like that They now say That from a clinical perspective I'm quoting here from a letter That was written by the National Women and Infants Health Program They say it would be safest That all women accessing the HSE Home birth service Would reside 30 minutes or less In blue light distance In other words, ambulance at full speed distance From the nearest Maternity service So yes You can have a home birth, absolutely, we have no problem, we support you, we do all those things for you. But we would rather you were living within 30 minutes of an ambulance journey from a hospital. So you can have a home birth in Kinsale, let's say, or you can have a home birth maybe in in Mallow. But if you're in Alihees or whatever, then don't, we'd rather you didn't. Uh, You're not within 30 minutes by blue light from a maternity unit. Uh, What would you think about that? Some people pushing back. There's an article in the uh, Independent today where a woman from County Waterford is saying, look, the nearest hospital is an hour's drive away from me. But she says it's patriarchal and ignorant to the real needs of women to make a provision like that. I'm I'm sure the people in the HSE's Health Committee, Women's Health and Infant Programme, etc., whatever they call it, would say, oh, actually, no. What they'd say is, well, it's great. Look, home birth is wonderful. If you want to have a home birth, that's marvellous, and we'll support you. But looking at the risks and looking at the number of people who start off as a home birth and end up getting whisked into hospital halfway through because a problem has developed, it's probably better if you want to have a home birth that you're living within half an hour's ambulance journey to a hospital. Now I'm a fella right? This is never going to be part of my life but what do you think? Has anybody listening this morning had a home birth that went swimmingly well and would never have bothered with the hospital, would never want to be near a hospital. Is there anybody listening who is contemplating a home birth at the moment and is upset by this? Or anybody listening who's had a home birth that went a bit wrong and had to get shifted to hospital and hopefully everything went well afterwards? And what would you think of, of this provision? So the HSE is now saying if you want to have a home birth, that's fine. There are supports in place and all of these but we would very much prefer if you were within a half an hour by blue light by ambulance from the nearest maternity unit and they're basing it on the number of home births that tend to go a bit pear-shaped halfway through and have to get whisked into hospital your thoughts welcome on it because i have no idea 0818969696083396 Kathleen, you were in Dublin to visit IKEA. You drove through the M50 toll check, the eFlow toll check, and that's where this story begins. What happened?
5: I drove up to Dublin to IKEA to get a a few bits and pieces in IKEA, and I noticed the sign on the way up saying that uh, eFlow... Um, would need to be paid uh, by eight o'clock the, the following evening, otherwise penalties would ensue.
4: This not is on the M50 fine. in Dublin, yeah.
5: I was on the M50. Big notice up on your way driving up. You can see that. But I, I said, oh yeah, I must remember that now, and not incur any. Otherwise, penalties will will incur. So I, I was aware of the to do it before the eight o'clock the following day, and um, which I did. I, I would try. I tried the website at uh, before seven. Uh, I went down through the process and um, midway down, it wouldn't it wouldn't progress on the website. So
4: You tried to pay. I tried
5: to pay. Oh, I did. I went to the website and tried to pay. I filled in an awful lot of details and got down midway and then it wouldn't progress. So I couldn't finish the payment. I, and then I was saying, what do I do now? Because I was trying to avoid the eight o'clock penalty, which was, you know, that was going to be involved. So I phoned, I phoned uh, EFLOW and I made my payment over the phone. Yeah. So I paid the full amount and I was happy, I just came, I said that's paid now, end of story. And um, the day before yesterday, I received a penalty notice in my post and I opened it and I was shocked because I was looking not only for the money that I that I owed for the trip to the, on the M50, but now it was gone up. It was, there was a penalty involved because I hadn't paid.
4: How much were they looking so for?
5: They were looking for three euros per journey. Like That would have been another six euros onto my previous payment. Which I paid, I paid on my on my internet banking. There I paid eight pence, so I said I'll ring them So on the notice there was a number, and I ring, I rang, I got through to someone, and I told him my story. I said I'd already paid, and I said the actual uh, deduction was there, right on my internet banking, deducted from you know for barrier charges, e down on my bank statement, but they had no record of my payment, and I said how could that be? So the bank has my? is telling me it's on my bank statement that it says. And she said, no, we've no record of that. Um, So it's really an outstanding issue. And then uh, proceeded to tell me that the best thing to do was really pay again.
4: So then your bank showed you that the money had left your account.
5: Left my account.
4: But they had or said they had no record of it arriving at their end, correct?
5: No record at all. And I said, How can that be? Sure, every like every retailer I ever did business with, like they never came back to me and said they didn't get paid, how come EPLO are coming back to me and say they didn't get paid? I said where I can prove it, I can get my I have my bank statement to say that I, I actually made the payment and it was taken from my account. So she still said, Well, it really is an unresolved issue and we were going around in circles with just saying like an unresolved issue. So she says, well, there's another deadline coming up now on the 18th. So really, the best thing to do is pay uh, before then. And I said, but why would I do that? I've already told you, I've already explained, I've already paid it. So l- let me let me just, I said, are you telling me th- to pay again on something I've already paid? Yeah. And she said, well, it is an unresolved issue. So we were going around in circles like that. And I got a number of her. I said, look, I can prove it, and where do I send it to? So uh, it gave me the details of where to send it, and, and it happened to be a box, a PO box yeah. number. So yeah. I couldn't even register the letter, but I did post this. There was no fine in register it, but I did post it yesterday to them, confirming my payment had been made.
4: Yeah. Have they now acknowledged, Kathleen, because Fergal did make contact with them, and there were some emails passed to and fro on, on your behalf and with your consent. Have they resolved it now?
5: I didn't hear anything yet. Uh, there could be another penalty notice in the hall in a day or two. I haven't heard anything from them mm. as yet. But I did post it yesterday. It went into the, this PO box. And look, as I told him, I said, I'm not standing for this at all. I said, I've already paid and I'm not going to be pressured into paying uh, again yes. uh, whatever deadline is looming. I don't care. because. Well,
4: according to it. our communication with, with eFlow, everything will be resolved. But I think it brings up, in your mind, a difficulty. First of all, with the 8 o'clock deadline, you're questioning that.
5: I'm questioning that. I mean, as, as I said, if you've got a parking fight, you're going to get notice from the from the guardian that this can be is to be paid within a, a month or... You're you're getting notice. You're getting a good bit of notice to pay. You know to pay your fine. Go down to the post office and pay. it. End of story. But with this, you're getting 24 hours, uh, like on a journey that you're going to Dublin. You might be going to a function. You might be out for the night. Uh, th- this is so unreasonable. And why is it that you only get to the 24 hours? Or well, you could I mean, be
4: going to Dublin Airport to go on holidays. You forget you about could. it completely.
5: Yeah. Exactly. But like they want you to. Do, you you it's feel
4: the 24 stressful. hours is, is unreasonable?
5: Oh, it's totally unreasonable. Like, if you have to pay a fine for the Guardian, you'll get, you'll get your, your month's notice. Like, this is... This practice has to be stamped out. I mean, why do we need only 24-hour notice? What is this colossal rush that people have to be inconvenienced or pressured into doing that? The whole system wants to be radically overhauled. I believe it should be all taken down to the post office level, that we can buy our e-flow... Um, um, or e-flow payment in the post office. Um, all the post offices are conveniently located around the country, right. whereby these retailers that sell the e-flow, it's not so readily like uh, available to people. They don't, they might even know where to purchase a prepaid uh, e-flow. So what I'm saying is uh, all this thing has to be accessed as well by the internet, which seniors mightn't be able to do. Like a lot of seniors don't use the internet.
4: You believe they should be able to pop into... Any post office of their choice. Any post
5: office. Any right. post office on the way down. On the, you know, you know, and even going to Dublin. If you forgot it was, uh, oh, if you were on your way to Dublin, you forgot got a uh, we stop at Kildare and pick up uh, an e-flow. You know, in the post office everyone knows and yeah. seniors especially should be considered because they are very disadvantaged well, I, I got, got dis- caught
4: myself a few years ago Kathleen don't mind telling you yeah. I was up in Dublin for work and I, I drove through this thing and before I knew it I'd forgotten and I got charged and look I, I was only the 167 quid extra I paid it to get it but a friend of mine um, a fellow journalist from one of the Dublin radio stations said look get a tag and put the tag on your car you might never use it but you won't get caught like that again
5: but why 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 is there this kind of pressure i go back yeah. to this kind of pressure what is it that we feel we have to do that in this day and age when systems are in place it was never re- more remarkable there there is systems in place that could operate this whole thing through the post office and why do we have to feel we've pressurized to buy tags well in advance or you know uh, uh, worry when we get when we when, you know when we pass an need yeah. to things? Why is that? And why are the Irish people accepting all of this? Okay. That's what I want to know. And it must be like very frightening for a senior to get a, a, a penalty again you now like they're worried and how do you access it? How do you get it? How do you do You know, that system is in place. should be all scrapped and we're looking for the post office to come on board here and help the Irish citizens out to, to, to get away from this antiquated system where people are nearly oppressed. shouldn't be allowed and we should be Corruption standing up for ourselves and not allowing this anymore. I think this frightening episode where you incurring penalty after penalty. Do you know what I mean? Uh,
4: Kathleen, you yes. make your point very well and thank you.
5: Thanks, PJ good to
4: talk to you. I wonder has anyone been caught by those e-flow charges I know I was a few years back and I because I was up and down to Dublin a bit at the time with work a colleague of mine as I said there to, to, to Kathleen said look just get a tag it won't actually cost you anything unless you use it and have it on the car and that way you won't get caught anymore and she was right the idea that you have to find an outlet where you can pay um, Kathleen has a point doesn't she? You could pop into any post office and, and and maybe do it. Eleanor, is it on two, has a point to make. I'll get to that in just a sec. Just release the line to me there. And the other one, it, it left her bank account. She could see that, but it hadn't gone to eFlow, and they were looking for her to pay it a second time, according to what she said. They said to her on the phone. Now, they wrote to us and said what happened there is that the payment would not have left the customer's bank account, but would be in a pending stage with the bank In that situation, all the customers do, is required to do is email and then we would try to isolate the payment at our end. If it couldn't be located, we'd advise that and request a second payment before any penalties are applied. So the payment from Kathleen's account was probably in in pending stage. That may be what happened there. I think that's been sorted, but she's more bothered about the 24 hours and other elements. I think... Um, Getting to the home birth story that I started with and and the HSE want to they're not quite rules more than recommendations that if you're going to have a home birth, fine, but we'd like you to be living within 30 minutes ambulance journey of a hospital. Kate, good morning.
2: Hi, uh, my friend had her children at home, but I think there's a huge difference between a midwife who does home births and hospital births. And I think you need a midwife who's really experienced in home births there because the other you know, midwife in the hospital has loads of support if anything goes wrong. That's Do you know true. what I'm saying? That's it's true. totally different. It's like the, so the surgeon, you know, they, there's different types of surgeons and some of them are. So you need somebody extremely cool yeah. and who just deals in home births. Doing both, I think it's, it's, it's a different job. I really do, because you can run in next door and get all the equipment and everybody involved, whereas when you're just dealing with the person as a midwife in a house, you may not be able to, but you must be so experienced in it.
4: That's a good I think, that's a yeah. good point, that, that yeah. home birthing you home see, birth. Kate, as a kind of a specialism.
6: It's
2: specialist, with- yeah, it's specialist, it is, it really is specialised, because you can't run in next door into the other place and grab the other midwives and doctors and whatever on the spot. It's so different.
4: Yeah, Would you you agree with that recommendation?
2: I think it's a good no, I think it's a good idea to have midwives who are dealing with home births almost all the time and the other midwives who are more used to dealing in hospitals, they're a different type, I know it sounds ridiculous but it is different
4: Mm. I I, I think that's a a very strong point Kate thank you very much, that if you're going to have a home birth, and I don't know whether there are, I think there are specialized midwives that have, you know, that additional level of training and practice for a home birth. Because the point Kate makes there, and it's got to be a valid one, I'm sure it's got to be a valid one. If a midwife in a hospital situation runs into bother, she can just buzz someone or call someone or page someone, and straight away there's an extra pair of hands and an extra pair of eyes and experience there to help. Whereas in a home birth situation, she doesn't have that luxury. So maybe a, an increased level or an added level of specialism for home birth. Great point, Kate. Great point. Thank you. 0818 96, 96 96 On the tolls when she paid over the phone, she must have been given a receipt number, says Nick. I know this. I had my own troubles with them some years ago. It was rolled after a bill of a few thousand and letters from lawyers. God almighty, how much? Great call from Kathleen. eFlow prepaid vouchers can be bought at most shops, says another message. Have you been caught by eFlow? Have you been found yourself in trouble because of the 24-hour thing? I think that's what's bothering Katie or Kathleen even more. Yeah, just getting back to what Nick said there about the receipt number and all of that Yeah, I forgot that The point was that when Kathleen got onto eFlow and told them that she'd paid and showed, said it's, it's gone from my bank account They said we can't find it We can't see it So receipt number or not, they couldn't see it The explanation that they gave us in an email was that at that stage it may have been in the pending box in her bank account, and mightn't have jumped over just yet. It's been resolved anyway. But that that's important actually. With your with your bank account, um, with the pending box, when you go to the top of your internet banking, you'll see pending. It'll be gone from your account, but it hasn't gone over yet. That's a that's a point. But but that's they couldn't find the payment at their end, even though it had left her bank account. And, 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 and that's that was the, the, the bothersome bit but the other bit that was bothering her more was the 24 hours and, and it is a valid point and look at the thousands of people that are going to Dublin Airport at the moment to go on their holidays how many of them are coming home to a letter on the doormat a couple of weeks later that you owe a ton of money for your uh, non-payment of e-flow? Like, how are you supposed to pay an eFlow flow? Out in Torremolinos. Now, admittedly, you can prepay, but then if you're not a frequent visitor to Dublin, how do you know that? To home and Christine, morning, you had one when? Three weeks ago? Oh, ten weeks ago. Ten weeks ago. Congratulations. Thank you. How did it Um, go?
7: Wonderful. It was definitely the most beautiful experience I've ever had in my life. I just think that a lot of women in a hospital setting are sometimes robbed of how gorgeous births can be. Yeah. I think a home birth definitely gives you. Now, again, it is down to the person who chooses to do a home birth. Yeah. You know, if you have any fear or if you have any doubt or you don't trust your body and trust your baby, that can cause implications. You know, from start to finish, my midwife, who is Mary Cronin, I can't speak highly enough of her. Mm-hmm. From the moment I've met her, she was so practical. She gave me confidence. I had a healthy... Pregnancy, So there was no reason why I couldn't go ahead with the home birth. I understand a lot of people don't have this option. But, you know, my birth was lovely. It was an hour and 20 minutes. I'm very lucky, start to finish. I was around my loved ones. My eldest daughter, who's only two, was asleep in the other bedroom. Mm. It was just very easy. It was just... I just think it was it it should be available. Yeah. But again, I know I know another woman made a point that it is a specialized and it should be done by a midwife who does home births.
4: Yeah. May may, so, I, may I ask why it was that you wanted a home birth,
7: Christine? Um, I had my first daughter in the height of covid. I had her in June 2020. Now, I think it's the fear of uh, unnecessary intervention, inductions, forceps, bed management. And I know I'm not blaming hospital staff. I know they're very under pressure, but I think a lot of decisions made about how a woman will birth her baby can be down to, you know, convenience of the hospital. Mm. And sometimes they don't have a nice experience. And I think that's very sad that a lot of women are robbed of uh, something that could be a lovely experience and it's, it ends up being a traumatic one. Yeah. So I think I had more control being at home. And my midwife was probably on the same page as me, you know, never doubted that, you know, I was capable of just, you know, having a lovely, I suppose, relaxed, setting family around. There was no, actually, you know, because it happened so fast, you know, there wasn't as much of the paracetamol needed. Now I'm really lucky. I know that people don't get as lucky as that. And I was really calm. I was more excited about the labour. I had no fear. Mm. So I think you know, if you're in a good frame of mind as well, it does go. Indeed, it does go. You know, and it, it does go much better if you're positive about it. And if you have any fear at all, that could cause implications. It could cause it to seize up. You know,
4: if if it were a thing that something had had gone wrong, and mercifully nothing did, and it all went well for you and delighted and all that, how far from a hospital were you?
7: I'm in y'all, so you know, I suppose. 40 minutes without traffic, but, you know, roadworks and all that, it could be longer, Yeah, <clears throat> depending as well on the time of day. And, you know, and what would you think of this
4: idea that the HSC have that, look, home birth is fine, we're quite happy to support home birth and all of that, but if you're more than half an hour by blue light from a hospital, we don't recommend?
7: Um, I suppose it's a good recommendation, you know, you, if it's just a recommendation, but I don't think it should be something that can prevent somebody from having home birth. I see. see. You know, they do have an ambulance on standby. So, like when, you know, you call your midwife and you say, I've had my first contraction or my waters have broke, the ambulance will be notified so-and-so is in labour so they will know that there is a possibility that the ambulance service will be needed. Okay. So, you know, it's not like... There's not an ambulance around. They're 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 aware.
4: Okay, so if you had run into any kind of of trouble, Mary just picks up the phone and says, "We need the ambulance."
7: Yeah, so it's they're on standby. You know, they're aware of the situation.
8: Okay,
4: I didn't I didn't know that, Christine. I didn't know that. Thank you very much for that call, and and congratulations again. Ten weeks ago, second baby born at home in y'all. Thank you. Christine 0818 96 the, the recommendation is That if you want to have a home birth That you be Within half an hour's blue light time From a hospital in case Anything should go wrong But there's something I didn't know That if you are having a home birth And it is supported and all that That there's an ambulance actually on standby Waiting in case it should be needed 0818 96, 96 96 Now, at Electric Picnic, they're going to do drug tests. They're going to check what drugs people are carrying and test them and if there's any danger and, and all of that. Uh, it's, a, it's a new thing. It's the the HSE are going to test drugs that have been carried at music festivals, starting with, we understand, Electric Picnic. It's a step. It's it's an it's something that's never been done before. Uh, Nicole Ryan, is it the right step in the right direction, or could they go further? Nick, good morning again.
9: Good morning. How are you, Bj? Right. Um, I think it's a step in a very long road. Um, in a, I suppose, ideal scenario, they would have just gone the full hog, but they haven't. They're just testing in, I suppose, the back end. So a little bit more could be done um, because it's very reliant on the public. Mm. So it's very reliant on me throwing my drugs into the bin. But there's also not really a lot of amnesty around it because the law is still the law and the guards are still going to be around.
4: Yeah. And you're not going to get your drugs back? No. Yeah. So no. how many people are going to willingly walk into a tent and give up what's in their pocket <laughs> if they're not going to get it back.
9: Exactly. And they don't get the results kind of uh, as quickly as maybe other places do that do the front full end testing do. And also, if I like the guard, there's nothing stopping the guard from seeing me going into the tent and then searching me on my way out.
4: Ah, right. So you're kind so, of you admitting know. you're carrying something you shouldn't.
9: Okay. Yeah, that you have something or. I see, I see
4: I would, when I read it first I, I thought, like, this is an acknowledgement you and I have talked many times since you set up Alex's venture, we've talked about how we need to accept people are carrying we need mm-hmm. to accept people are using, we'd much prefer they didn't but they are and they will so we have mm-hmm. to enable them to do it safely mm-hmm. and this would have been the start but it's not, yes. quite, not quite gone far enough mm-hmm.
9: Yeah, it's 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 not it's not the ideal. It's a bit of a band-aid type thing, you know, on the actual issue. Um, a lot of it they're basing on, you know, they're wanting to collect the data of what's happening in real time, which is fair enough because Ireland doesn't have that kind of data. But I suppose there's nothing stopping them from doing that currently or in the last however many years, because there are drug seizures all the time and they they can test that and they can let people know, but they don't. So now they're relying on people in the public. To throw their drugs into this bin, which are predominantly pills, actually it won't be powders. Yes. So you're not getting a real scope of what is actually out there.
4: Yeah. Plus you don't get them back, and there's no amnesty. As in, if what you put, if you go in there and you, and I'm just thinking of ecstasy. As people are probably not using ecstasy anymore, but I'm just thinking, you go in, you put in your ecstasy. There's nothing to stop a guard lifting you, and yeah. and charging you with possession of ecstasy. And you leave the tent. Correct? Exactly.
9: Exactly. So why would I bother? You know, why would I do that? Why would I put myself into that position?
4: I see. It sounds like more like optics than anything else, Nicole.
9: <laughs> well, I yeah. I I think like I think a lot of definitely this, you know, it's kinda of, it's that band aid thing. Let's kinda of be seen to be doing something, but actually not actually really doing a lot. Mm-hmm. Um and from then on, whatever data they do manage to get from it, I suppose will and will feed into will they ever do the front end? you know will they do the full thing and if if this is the route they're going to go down, I don't think that that would be a thing for us for a very, very long time because you're not going to get a good scope like you're not going to get the data that you're looking for because it's not it's not practical for people yeah it's not helpful to people mm.
4: yeah, like you are, It's it's either. Without any danger of prosecution and or and it's either without that entirely, or it's not that at all. that's right?
9: Exactly, because you can test what's out there at the moment in other ways, without just going to a festival. And what they miss out on is interactions with the people who perhaps, you know, don't use every single day or you break out once a year at electric picnic, for instance, because there is the demographic that use and that don't get addicted and they just use for their own enjoyment. Mm. And like if, if you can get to those people, which are people that die all the time as well, uh, but they're very hard to reach. Like you missed that brief intervention bit with this. You you don't get to talk to them. You don't get to explain some of the side effects. The education piece around it is gone.
4: You also said pills are and not powders, and it's the powders are the synthetics are the dangerous ones. Correct?
9: Mm-hmm. Yeah, predominantly you get synthetic pills as well because ecstasy, in its own right, is a synthetic drug. Yeah, yeah. You know, but a. Uh, like the powders are predominantly that are synthetics are out there they're, they're powders so people can't just tip powders into the bin plus you get a mash of different powders and you're not going to, be able to tell what's what so that whole demographic of drugs which is all those other drugs that are out there will not be caught it'll just be the pills
4: yeah yeah. you've written a good piece about this actually in in the examiner um, that it, you say it's a step in the right direction but not a big enough step and far from Ideal. Yeah.
9: It is, because it's it's not really that life-saving. You're not going to be, like, the worst case scenario is that somebody has an overdose and then you identify what they've taken, but you don't want to get to that step.
8: Yes,
4: yes, yes, yes. And, again, come back to where I said a while ago, have we yet accepted, does this show at all, Nicole, that we ha- we have to accept like We'd prefer people didn't use at festivals or anywhere like that. We prefer they didn't, but they of will. Course. But they will, and we've got to we've got to understand that they will. And if they will, then we have to make it as safe as we can for them. That doesn't go there.
9: It doesn't necessarily. No, it doesn't. It doesn't go to that place. Um, like we do have to accept people are going to use. Like if I make up my mind that I'm going to use, I'm going to use, whether you say it's safe or you say it's not. That's my decision. And that's how people see it as. So, but I'm going to use it and it could be absolutely dangerous. So I end up dying or I end up having an overdose or really negative side effects effects that will last me for the rest of my life. But if I can have a place that I can just have that moment of number, even clarity, you know, just that moment where, oh, my God, if I was going to take this, I was going to have an overdose or something really bad was going to happen. Or this isn't the chemical that I thought it was. It's a deterrent, you know, and it saves my life. I got you. Because, because i I would have taken it either way.
4: <laughs> Come here, yet another reward for Alex's adventure.
9: During the week. Oh, they're just, just just things that I put on the wall, you know, don't believe your own hype.
10: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: Nicole, always, always a pleasure girl always a pleasure and the work is fantastic that you've been doing thank you very much he would be extra, exceptionally proud of his sister Nicole Ryan from Alex's Adventure 0818 96 two home births again and this recommendation if you missed it uh, this idea from the HSE that if you want to have a home birth that's fine that's absolutely fine a lot of people do But we would prefer and we would recommend that you be within a half an hour by blue light from the nearest maternity unit. And if not, perhaps home birth isn't a great idea. Fiona.
6: Hi, how are you, Peter?
4: You you had a home birth, yeah?
6: I did, yeah, in September 2020.
4: Okay, and how did that go?
6: Um, It was absolutely incredible. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Just the best day of my life. Yeah, it was amazing.
4: Why in particular did you want to have a home birth?
6: Um, well, I early on in my pregnancy, pre-COVID, so January, February 2020, I had a heavy bleed and I thought I was having a miscarriage. So myself and my partner went to CUMH, and in the waiting room, we were like sardines. There must have been 25 or thirty women and partners in the room and there was one woman in particular in labour pacing up and down the room and as I was sitting there thinking I was losing my baby she was in labour and I said this is just not how it should be and I said God willing everything will be okay but I do not want to be like that lady waiting four or five hours until we were sitting there and she hadn't been seen I said there's no way I'm going through that so I started doing research and home birth wasn't even on the radar when I became pregnant. It was, I thought that's for hippies, you must be out of your mind to want to do something like that. Yeah. But the more research I did the more informed I became and I said this is an incredible option. Why wouldn't everyone want to do this? Yeah. So that's how it happened.
4: And, and had something gone askew were you within a half an hour of a hospital?
6: Um, I'm the other side of Mano so I suppose blue light distance I would be but it could take us 45, 50 minutes in a car. Yeah,
4: and of course the other ridiculous situation is you'd be passing a hospital that doesn't deal with emergencies, which is a whole other discussion.
6: Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was was an amazing experience, and even GPs don't talk about it. My own GP thought I was daft, Um, and a lot of GPs don't have insurance to cover home births, even though the GP has nothing to do with it. Yes. Um, so I have to move GP, which is 25 minutes away from my original GP, just for the pregnancy. And I'm actually pregnant again, and I have booked another home birth, please God. Right. Um, yeah. Do, just when when, when are think. you due? Um, January. Okay.
4: Well, good luck with that. Thank you. <laughs> good luck with that alright Fiona thanks ever so much for that 0818 96 96 96 so there's two people who've had home births and it all went swimmingly well <laughs> Fiona thought it was only for hippies <laughs> and now she wants another home birth the next time We're getting some of your responses too about uh, your adventures shall we say with eFlow and their extra charges I'll come back to them and a few more lots of people talking about home birth. And this idea, just to repeat it in case you missed it, if you were out for the school run, not school run, but shopping or anything you want this morning, the idea that if you want to have a home birth from here on in, the HSE would prefer, now they're not making it a rule, they can't really I suppose, they would prefer that you are within half an hour's ambulance journey of the nearest maternity unit. If you want to have a home birth, your thoughts are very welcome on that. Earlier in the week, we were speaking with the organisers of the fuss march. We had Rebecca O'Reardon on the phone. There's a fuss march, another fuss march. Various uh, parents uniting for services for their kids this Saturday afternoon. And I was saying to, to Rebecca, and that the fuss is slowly turning to fury. Uh, Mark, you were you were at work today. When I was talking to Rebecca. You're hoping to get to this march at the weekend. Good morning to you.
11: Good morning, PJ. How are
4: you? Good, oh, good, good. What's your own story, sir?
11: Well, basically, PJ, uh, the same as every family I suppose in the country at the moment is this problem with the health system is just ridiculous. Um, I have a young lad at home. He's five, but he's non-verbal autistic. Okay, and. Um, <clears throat> we got from we got it caught fairly early, so we did. But like the the health, the public sector, no help whatsoever, Peter. To be quite honest with you, yeah. we have to do everything privately, and it it costs a fortune. So it does. Yeah. Like at the moment, all we're getting is letters, letters. Yes, your son is on a list. He's on a list, on a list of something that hasn't been even set up yet. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And they the won't give a time or a date or anything at all on when he will be actually seen. The last time I was talking to the manager that over our section, like she said that it will be in August. I said to her, that's okay, no problem. Would you be able to give me a time and a date? And she was like, no, I can't because we have only three speech therapists. Right. And I said, well, obviously, if you have a list, you'll have a fair idea on... Which speech therapist would be taking which group? And she was like, No, I can't do that because of COVID. Because of COVID? Yeah. I says, What does COVID to do with the speech therapy? And she says, Well, if somebody gets sick, we can't. We'll have to have cancellations or we can't do anything because we just won't have the staff.
4: But that could happen whether someone got COVID or lassie pie. It doesn't actually matter. Why use COVID as an excuse?
11: That's the start of the PJ. Because then she said to us that he was on a priority list. And then it came back to us at a later stage when I was talking to her again. I said, so how's this priority list looking or has it been set up yet? And she says, it has, but your son is actually not on it. And I said, how is that? And she said, well, there's a lot more children in worse conditions than your son. And I asked her then straight out, politely, I said, how can you distinguish or define that? And she said, "Well, basically, he's not choking, so he is not
4: Okay. Well, that's 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 an unfortunate thing to 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 hear. Like, so where are you? I mean, has he, he's five now? Is has he got a school place? Has he got?
11: He, he he's got a school place. Thank God. We were my wife. I have to say, she's brilliant altogether. She's at home alone with two other little kids, but she got from the school, and the school is absolutely brilliant. So it is. Yeah and they do everything they can to help him out. But basically, like, for him to progress on in his future, he needs speech therapy. He does. Well, we're doing it privately, but the public are saying that, well, he has to be seen by them as well before anything else can be signed off for him to progress on. This is the part that's really bothering me, so it is. So you're
4: paying money, and I know it's not cheap, you're paying money for private speech therapy... Yeah, but that's not. They don't. They, is it that the public system doesn't take that into account?
11: Well, well, basically, when he was first being diagnosed, we had to wait maybe a year and a half for the public, and my wife just couldn't. She wouldn't. So we ended up and we got him assessed privately. Yes. And when they find that, when they found out, or we told them that we had him done privately, they said to us. We will have to assess them now.
4: And- oh, this is still going on. This drives me. This drives me mad, Mark. It's still going on. So you got him assessed privately, and your private the result of the private asses- assessment was that he, that he that he is autistic, but the yeah. public services won't accept that. They want do their own assessment to see Correct. for themselves. They're still up to that nonsense. And you, you, I mean, has he even been assessed publicly yet?
11: He was. This is the funny part, PJ. We were waiting a year and a half to get him assessed, and then we just said we can't be waiting any longer. We need to get him into school. So we got him done privately. When the public sector found out about that, they got onto us and they said, "Well, he has to be assessed within a week." PJ. He was brought in for an assessment, and they had it done in about five minutes. And I'd never seen them before, but they were, they were still able to diagnose him as autistic.
4: This crack was going on when when my boy was first diagnosed, and he'll be 25 in October. Do
11: you it's know, it's still hard. going it, on. It, 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 it's not fair on the kids, like it's it's a bad sign for the future. PGSO it is. Yeah. In all fairness. Yeah. So you're going you're going to go to the march, Mark? Are you? With the help of God, PJ, know I'm going to get home from work this evening and hopefully the kids are happy enough and all going well. I'm going to go tomorrow and I might try and bring the young fellow with me himself. Yeah, tell me a bit about him while we have a minute. Well, basically, PJ, he's, he's five, year old, five years old. He's absolutely the most beautiful, nicest child you could meet. And I'm not saying that because he's mine, all his teachers say the same as well. He finished. He was on a summer camp there in his school for the last two weeks, and there was a teacher looking after him. And when she dropped him off after his last two weeks, she was nearly crying at the door because she was, she doesn't be with him normally. Mm. But she said he was the nicest boy. Like we're lucky in a way, PJ. He's not violent or anything like that. He's really soft. Yeah. But the biggest problem is. It's it's the speech and the sensory.
4: And tell me, can he communicate with
11: you in any way? He can. Like, his, as I said, his mother is absolutely brilliant. Like, she learns sign language. So, at home, we do sign language, so we do. And um, he's got a tablet that we had to buy him and it's got a thing called Lambs on it. I know about it, yeah, yeah. He always com- communicate through that way. But since we started the speech therapy, like, we're going to two separate speech therapies, PJ. So he's in regularly. Mm -hmm. And since we started doing that, the words are slowly starting to come. That's brilliant. But the thing about it is we need to get them to come faster because if they don't, he can't progress on to his next year in school. Like, we have to hold him back a year now this year because he, he... He just wouldn't
4: be able for a classroom situation, so he wouldn't. Can I give you a little tiny tip, Mark?
11: DJ, I'll take whatever thing you can give
4: me. Do you know, give me something he loves at home, like, say, an apple or an orange or or whatever, right? Oh, he's
11: a... We call him the monkey at home because he could eat about 10 bananas a day. Right, well, well, well... And
4: this might sound a little bit hard, but it's not. He knows what a banana is. He can point to the banana... See how he if he will make an attempt to even call it something.
11: He, he his mother is working at him on that already, PJ, yeah. and we've got as far as Nana. That's brilliant, Jesus, man! That's brilliant. Yeah, no, that's but that's
4: triumph, Mark.
11: It's just every the, the, the problem that I have, PJ, is and look, if I don't want to be whinging because everybody, every other family has the same situation as us, but like. My wife is at home on her own, I' am gone to work all day every yeah, day yeah, yeah. we had that
4: we had that too. my missus was at home for years doing incredible work
11: with her with our boy she she's constantly though we have two younger kids a little daughter that's two and a little boy that's seven months old. They're losing out at the moment, so they're i know I know because she's constantly battling on the phone if they'll even answer the phone p j yeah, I know. You know
4: Paul, you're doing your absolute best. And, and and from one dad to another, I got your back.
11: Well, I appreciate it because you're doing a phenomenal job on the radio on bringing it out into the public light because a lot of people just don't understand. And mainly it's the people up in Dublin that haven't a clue or just don't care. All
4: right. Mind yourself, fella. Take care. Cheers.
3: The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM.
1: Hear the full show on our app by podcast or on 96FM.ie
4: in regard to Kathleen's conversation with me earlier on about eFlow and tolls and paying tolls in advance and paying for tolls within 24 hours and all of that stuff. There are many ways that you can pay your toll in advance. The number 14 turn off by Kildare. There you can pay uh, You can pay in, in advance. So do it before you travel. Uh, I pay cash in petrol stations on the day I pass the toll on the few occasions after I travel to Dublin. Yes, you can. you can. You can do it that way Uh, and there's a number of different ways to do it but I think Kathleen's point stands why do you have to do it within 24 hours that that's that's one of her her key points I mean a few other things about how it didn't go through on your bank statement or it did go through on your bank statement I I will come back to those Uh, someone paid a big fine here um, and and they sent us a letter that they got in reply definitely eFlow the fines come in very, very quickly. The extra charges come in really, really quickly. If you don't engage with them, either pay cash at, at a till somewhere or buy a tag. Or Tom, I think, still has the best idea. And I, I don't think these, these cost anything to actually get the tag, maybe a fiver or something. I have a Park Magic toll tag for a good few years now toll charges are less when you use it i never had an issue the 20 euro in the account is automatically topped up when it's needed yeah i've had one of those on my car for years now and we might go through a toll for months on end but you know that you're, you're covered if you have to go through a toll of any kind plus the fact that if you change the car you just send them an email and the tag is reallocated to your new car, which is which is handy too. Good man, Tom, for that, and thanks. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now, um, from one Tom to another Tom, and, and this isn't this isn't your real name, but that's the name we're going to use for you because you've got quite a delicate situation. You are homeless, morning, Tom.
8: I am. Yeah.
4: Okay. Tell me what's
8: happening. I'm actually homeless myself and my partner. She's six seven months pregnant. And we're into the APS and the council, and they're not doing nothing for us. Okay. Like, when did you become homeless? I became homeless when I was twenty-one. Okay. Okay. And How old are you now? I'm thirty-five. I'm a that and I was thirty. So you've been homeless for what? For fourteen years. For fourteen years, yeah. Okay. And and where have you been living, Tom? I've been staying in friends of mine's house here and there.
4: Okay, and would you be in the
8: system, like in the hostels and stuff? I like in, I'm mean, i in, the, I'm in the, the the Simons, but when I was in the Simons, we had friends, myself and my partner and a few more friends. But it's part of this going down there, because my partner was seven months pregnant, and there was people after getting stabbed, and they're on drugs and the whole that down there. Okay, I'm okay. Off, like, I'm clean, I'm off to, I'm off to drink two months. But for you. So if I go back down on the Simons again, and tell go me, back...
4: Hey, has your partner been been homeless for the same length of time, or
8: no? No. Okay. No. Okay. Well, like I'm off to drink for two months, and this pointless is me going back down there. So if I go back down there, I'm going to fall back into my old habits, and I don't want that.
4: Sure. And where are you? Where are you staying at the moment? Like where did you stay last night? I'm on the streets. You're on the streets. Where where's she staying, Tom? She's with me. She's with
8: you. So you stayed, so you, you oh God. Like and it's, it, not, it's not fair all. like it's not fair enough us spend up a child out in the streets. No. Do you know what I mean? I do, of course, I do, of course. And are you
4: registered with the council for emergency?
8: A, I rang the APS yesterday, I rang them all week, and they're saying that they have nothing that they can do. They won't put us into a B&B or they're saying is, or oh, you can use the nightlight and the simons. So my 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 partner can't sleep on the floor and the skinny little mattress.
4: But you can't and bring have a, a child. Th- you can't bring a child. You may you be um, she'll be a mother and you'll be a daddy in in
8: you know, uh, seven or eight days. weeks.
4: You can't bring a child into that.
8: Well, they did know it's like? Well, it's just talking to a brick wall to be talking to him. Do you know what I mean? I know. <clears throat> And, like, I only lost my father last year, and I can imagine what my father's thinking up and up, up night. Like. I know, mate. Do you know what I mean? I
4: know, I know. Like, it's an
8: awful start in life for a child, oh my God. Do you know what I mean? And I don't want, I don't mind. my partner up in the streets with, with my child or myself, like. We're trying, get, we're trying to get accommodation. I'm on, on DAF.E, I'm on everything. To see if I can get accommodation well, and...
4: Well, like, have you access to things like HAP and, and that sort of thing?
8: I'm entitled to HAP, yeah. Good man. Good
4: man. And have you a bit of work? I
8: have no work. You have no work. I don't, I don't work at all because I suffer with epilepsy. Okay.
4: Okay, so have you a disability?
8: Yeah, and I got a seizure there Wednesday, I just gone. Yeah, I should have, the stress, of, the stress of this would give you a seizure anyway. Yeah, of course. And it's not fair to my partner, like, you know what I mean? So... Like, if I don't get anything, like, I don't, our child is going to be taken off me... off us, and I don't want my child taken off us.
4: That's the worrying bit, isn't it? That that look of, if...
8: Well, yeah, like, like, if my child is going to be taken off us, I don't know what I'm going to end up doing to myself. I know,
4: well, let's not... let's not, let's not even think about that. Because, yeah, that's the truth, isn't it? If the child is born and, and ye have no place, it becomes a child protection issue and yeah and, yeah, yeah and and yeah oh god I, I, don't, I don't know what to say to you man i don't know what to say uh-huh. and i'm being honest with you i don't
8: yeah i don't even know what to think or what to say know anymore myself I
4: know, I know. and and does does she have even any i know look you want to be together your baby's going to be born soon yeah there's, there's like there's no fam. I mean, there's no family to take you in. There's nowhere else you can go, is there? No. No.
8: <sighs> okay. Well, like it's it's, it's getting to it to be on the job. Like, they're giving other people like that's on drugs and the whole lot. B and B's and hotels and the whole lot. Like, and they're giving us nothing. But the Ukrainians are coming in. Like, they they've. they've they're getting B and Bs, they're getting houses they're getting phones, yeah. hairs, a lot like
4: skinny mattress on the floor is no place for a pregnant woman, let alone a, a newborn baby in in, yeah. in in seven weeks' time or eight weeks' time. Well, she's
8: nine weeks, like, weeks. Okay. okay. And how and how is she herself? She's grand Well she's suffering with pains across her back as well, like it would be in the
4: floor. And in seven, and eight or nine weeks, not only will It'd be a major child protection issue. She's got no place to go. But apart else, it'll be much colder and darker and wetter. that's what I'm saying.
8: Like, I don't mind that. Like, I know. How long are you together? Um, we're we'll together two and a half years. Okay. Okay. I don't. I'm we're planning on getting married as well, like. I know.
4: I know. I'm sure that's that'd be fantastic but where do you, where do you go then what do you do then you know the thing, like. and i've spoken to enough people over the years who have no place to go there's a, there's a little community of you out there and you do your best yeah, to help to each stick, other you know to help
8: each other out and stick together like yeah, yeah. Um, have you got something to eat? have you got yeah, I have. Uh, yeah, we have food because we just goes all with anything else, and and the whole lot. Like, and they they helps us out. Like, we're full and, uh. and, and and nobody knows the
4: system better than Katrina. Nobody knows it better. better. And has she been able to do anything for you in terms of a place to go? No,
8: I don't know because I'm actually heading out or them up this
4: morning. Right. Well, go over. What you do, Tom? Go over and tell her you've been talking to me. Yeah, and, and she'll she probably hear us anyway because we're on down the centre from time to time. Yeah, yeah. Do you know, because I, I mean, the, the last thing you want is in in nine weeks, and w- with the best will in the world, the last thing you want is is child protection people involved because they'd only be there to help, but you don't want that. You don't want that. Yeah, I don't them. want
8: that. that no. Oh God. Okay. Well, i can try my best to, to to support my fancy and my child, like, but the way things are going now at the moment, we just, give, well, I'm trying to look out for her in the hall, like, like, I'm trying to keep her safe in the hall, like, I know. It's just if I can get a place to call home, like, till the baby's born, and then look for somewhere else. I know. Or else just look for a permanent place for ourselves to bring up my child. I know.
4: It's an, awful, it's an awful situation to find yourself in mate A terrible situation I have no idea what to say to you I, I just can't believe I can't imagine the stress of it I can't like
8: Yeah
4: Go over to Katrina and, Yeah And have your bite of grub and, and tell her you were talking to me And And sure She might Have you asked her Have you asked her about Trying to find somewhere
8: no, I haven't seen. I haven't seen her yet. So when I say it, I want to say it. So when I go over this small. to to see see would she be able to? Because
4: I know that I remember meeting a family a couple of years yeah. ago, and and they thought they were they thought they'd nothing. They thought they were ghosts, and and she managed to sort something for them. Do you know, and she's brilliant. Yeah. She's brilliant in the and she knows the system better than anybody. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. All right, Tom.
8: Yeah, look after I, yourself. I, look after your fiancé.
4: Yeah,
8: because I know I know have daughters and a family and a family and, and the that, like. They're all great.
4: They're all fantastic. Tom, I really have no idea what to say to you, fella, um, except that I wish you the best of luck and I wish there was more I could say. 0818 96 96 96. That is no future for a child, no start for a child, and nothing that anyone should have to be contemplating. Funny old world. Yeah, Mark was talking to me before 10 about his son who uh, has autism, he's five, and they need as much speech and language therapy as they can get. The wonderful, wonderful people at the Rainbow Club were on to say, put him in touch with us because we have speech and language therapy available 0818969696 0818969696 still getting stuff in about e flow and John was on about cycle lanes I, I'll get to those I will get to them but there was a piece in the independent that I, I read recently um, making a case for extending the school day by an hour right? so I'm not too sure what time kids finish primary school these days We're we're done with that in in Cooken Towers a number of years ago, but I suspect it's probably what half to three o'clock uh, the the older kids um, what about extending it for a day because um, in France they have a longer day they don't finish until until four o'clock joined by by Mary McCarthy to discuss this mary you you, you believe in this idea good morning.
12: Hi, PJ. How are you? Listen, I'll just enlighten you now on, on the on the on the reality out there. So, um, junior and senior infant kids are in for four hours and forty minutes. So, depending on some schools start at nine, our school starts at half eight. So, my uh, junior infant child is ready to be set free at ten past one every day, and then the other the other two uh, at primary are in the older classes, so they get out at ten past two. And um, so. We yes, you're right. You, you you mentioned France there, but but most countries in the EU, they like we do the same teaching hours. It's something that I can't get my head around. We do similar teaching hours, but yes they all have a, seem to have a longer day. Like in the UK, for instance, it's now mandatory that six hours, uh, six and a half hours, the school day at primary has to be six and a half hours. And that's for junior and senior infants as well. Whereas we do five hours, 40 minutes, that's for the older classes and four hours, 40 for the younger. Anyway, cut a long story short, PJ. I wrote an article for the Irish Independent on Thursday and it was saying, this is my fantasy budget. And I was just thinking, you know what? The education budget, they get about nine billion, right? So... I think what we should do now is give, it's time to start giving schools a chunk of money so they can put on activities uh, right. themselves so it would lengthen the school day a little just because you know I think it's a fairness issue now PJ because a lot of schools would offer activities anyway but you need to pay like be at a home or club five or a day or like in our house in our school we do speech and drama and that's 165 for the term which is quite expensive yeah. so it's not available to everyone but then there's also the other question of look you know just the kids can't some kids can't then afford to do it. So they don't get to do the activities. But also if you want to work in Ireland or if you like, there's, like our society is set up that if you want to own your own home you need two incomes coming in you know and even with that two incomes coming in it's not often possible but there's not really a choice now like you know back back in before 2000 the tax system was set up that you could just the way they taxed couples like there was one staying at home they could share the tax credits you know mm. so it was kind of feasible whereas now it's just not really possible and like I did stay home for 10 years PJ when, when my kids were growing up because I thought look I, you know the amount I earn It's not worth it, you know, to be uh, paying a crash like huge amounts. I'd be paying to go to work, so I stayed home. But like, as a result from that, like it's very hard for families to do that, you know. So there you go. You
4: make the point that like stuff that is paid for as extras now, um, you believe should be sort of brought into a longer day.
12: Yeah, well, I just think um, I think it's it's the fairer thing to do, and also I think it'll, more accurately, kind of reflect the society we're living in. And also, the teachers, if they wanted to be involved, they could earn extra money by being involved in these activities and a lot of them are already but you could you know pay them extra and if they didn't want to be involved that's fair enough you could bring in you know private organisations organization, or to put on like and I mean it could be stuff from like Lego Club or Tin Whistle Speech and Drama Chess ideally sports as well like or even just kind of you know a, a bit of more tier, which is just playtime for the mm. junior and senior you know like yeah anyway what do you think? <laughs>
4: As I said, I'm, 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 every morning I get up and I thank my lucky stars that we're out of the school system. (laughs) Because when I talk to parents on here, it ain't any easier than it was when we were doing it. Do you think that the school day as it's structured is harder on, on women than men?
12: Oh, listen, PJ, I, I don't like, you know, I, I there are a few stay at home dads in our school, but I think anyone will. And it has changed. Right. I don't want to come out full against against with the gender thing, but it has changed a bit. And there's a lot more men now working from home at the school gates. But I think anyone has to say looking at the the stats on, you know, most part time workers are women. And and you know what? There is a side to that where women want to stay home. I wanted to stay home. I didn't want to go to work. I was delighted to stay home, you know. So there are people who want to stay home, but you have to give people the choice, and if you're, if you expect, it's like the Irish government, the way they've set up the tax regime, they're they're expecting couples to be working. But yes, the school system has not banned it. It's as you say, it's the same as when you were bringing your kids, which I presume was maybe five, ten years ago. Give so, a, give like a couple a more,
4: time. but let's not do too
12: much of that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to be generous. So, like, I, I think. It's, it's kind of a joke that, you know, when I first started school, right, in 1980, I think it was, yeah, 45 years ago, and that's not 45 years ago, but anyway, 45 years ago, oh no, sorry, 40 years ago, what am I talking about? 40 years ago, I started school and uh, only, it was just over 50% of women worked, so I think it was 55% or so, something like that. Now it's over 70% of women work. Yeah. and. Yeah. Even a bit higher, actually, because in the pandemic, weirdly enough, it went up. So there's, we're actually at the highest ever now. I think it's 73 or something. So, like, wh- why have we not changed the school day to reflect that? You know, it, it, we've got a liberal society now, but yet we're still living in the past with the school day.
4: Plus, you could bring more activities in under the school umbrella and um, if you had a longer day and not have... Extras for this and extras for that and people running around trying to collect children at all sorts of different staggered times. It's a, th- it's a talking point and one we can throw out to the floor, as they say, Mary. Thank you, Mary McCarthy. A journalist uh, wrote about this in the Irish Independent. The idea being in France, for example. In France, the children are in school till 4 o'clock, but they do an awful lot more in the afternoon. Like some of the stuff that you'd be doing for extra, like, for sake. GA or speech and drama or or whatever whatever you have in yourself dance class that they'd be amalgamated into the school programme homework club would be amalgamated into the actual school programme and that the children would be there until maybe 4 o'clock the French look at Ireland and they go that's a very short day it doesn't mean you increase the actual teaching time but the length of the school day the collection time, like, as Mary said, most of the older kids now are out at, what, quarter past two. Um, what if they were there until quarter past three, or maybe half past three? And get more done in that hour and a quarter, rather than be running around for extracurricular stuff outside of school. It's over to you, 0818 96 96, 96 on Tom's call. I'm fuming here. I'm fuming here after Tom's call. PJ was saying he didn't know what to say to him. Well, here's a start. You could tell Michal Martin to get up off his backside and look after the Irish people who are struggling to find a home. It's true. I could. I could. It's all been said before, though. I think what I meant by that caller was I have nothing to say to Tom. That hasn't been said before, and I don't want to sound like I'm speaking in cliches, and I don't want to patronise the chap. That's kind of where I was coming from. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six Fiona, you were saying, c- come in to me on that there. Throw that the, the headset on you. You 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 agree with 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 Mary? I mean, your two are what? They're eight and five now, isn't it?
13: Yeah, and. Charlie is the eight year old and he stays in school until half two but Nancy now will be starting in big school in um, a couple of weeks and obviously her day will be shorter she finishes at half one so in order to um, be able to collect them both at half two there is a, an after school service in the school but we have to pay for it um, and it's uh, like I was just saying to Mary there um, off air that you know if it's a five or a day I'm not even sure exactly what it is but you know when you add that up across the year it's a lot of money um, but it's the only way we can do it because you know we don't have a child or whatever so um, it's uh, or just we do have a child minder, but it makes it easier for the child that she doesn't have to do a, a run up to the school at half one and another run up to the school at half yeah, two and yeah. she has other kids to mind as well so yeah it is I, I mean I totally get where Mary's coming from if we could have that extra hour free um, if the, the school was given a budget for it yeah. and they could put on an activity for the children it would be a massive benefit to to so many parents out there.
4: All right. Okay. Nice one, Fee. Thanks. 0818 96 96 96. Your thoughts are welcome. Fiona, what you saw? Oh, hi, oh. hey girl, you saw hey. this guy. Bang, was he, he pleading with a waiter to lay off the spuds or what?
14: what? Yeah, PJ, how's it going? We were on a little holiday down an inch beach in uh, Kerry. Lovely spot. And. Yeah, it's gorgeous. It was lovely. Uh, The weather aside now, we had to cut the the holiday short, PJ, to be honest, it was too wet. But we were inside in a lovely bar called Foley's Bar. I would recommend it highly. It was gorgeous.
4: I know the place.
14: And do you know it? I do, They have these amazing t-shirts, FBI t-shirts, Foley's Bar Inch. (laughs) If anyone's down there, they have to get one. They're brilliant. But uh, what was I going to say? We were, anyway, I was sitting next to, we were sitting at a table next to these Australians and I wasn't paying any attention to them until I heard one guy saying, can I just have some extra salad with my plate? No chips, please. I can't take any more chips. (laughs) and the waiter said, oh right, right okay, uh, would you like some mashed potato instead? No, please, no potato, I can't take any more potato <laughs> so, <laughs> He was in agony, it was as if he's been eating nothing but potatoes and chips for the whole time he's been here and he was dying from them, but uh, yeah, potatoes, I think that's what the Irish are most known for <laughs> Yeah,
5: he,
4: he
14: wanted
3: he
4: wanted a salad, and the thing about it is, and it's funny, when I go on holidays when I go overseas, I, I eat mounds and mounds of salad, but but here I don't yeah. because they I I think they tend to is it just me or do they insist on dressing the salad until it drips in Ireland? Where is it? <laughs> <you? laughs>
14: but just for the flavour, a bit of vinaigrette no for the flavour of the salad, the you know. And the
4: onions they have enough flavour by themselves, and nobody this poor devil just didn't want any more chips. They want any more spuds? Just a bit of salad.
14: just a bit of salad please yeah oh stop well I remember chatting to uh, another two random Australian guys once and they were saying Ireland is the only place where you might be offered three types of potato on your plate so (laughs) we've that to be proud of (laughs) if you look at it right
4: they're right because for breakfast right you can have sautéed potatoes or you might get fried yeah. potatoes or you might get um, a hash brown hash which effectively is yeah. lunch sure, there's yeah. any kind of potato under the sun that you want probably chips Absolutely. and in the evening you can have gratin yeah. potatoes garlic potatoes duffin was potatoes hollandaise potatoes mashed <laughs> potatoes boiled potatoes fried <laughs> we're potato man and matter.
9: it's all just
14: chips <laughs> Sauteed potatoes are fancy chips, really, isn't it? You forgot about one actually for the breakfast. I don't think it's a big thing down here, but up in the north they have those potato farls.
4: Oh, they're gorgeous!
14: Now, do you like them?
4: I do. Yeah. And, and and the Scottish do a thing called a tatty scone.
14: Oh is, yeah, like potato scones.
4: It's like a hash brown, right? Except it's hard. Yeah. And they're gorgeous Ooh. things. Oh my God, they are beautiful yolks. But listen. Do you know
14: what? Wouldn't that be a good idea now for a podcast? <laughs> the potato podcast. Travel around the world and find out what do you do with your potatoes? I know, <laughs> I
4: know. I know, I know. Fiona, thanks as always. Good to catch up. Yeah. So this Australian guy down Inch Beach, Foley's Bar, great place, and the t-shirts are are, are are the bomb. I just want, I just want a salad. I don't want any more chips. I don't want any more potatoes. Nothing, please don't. Are we crackers on on um, on spuds in this country? I don't know. It's a bit of fun. Bit of crack. 0818969696. Uh, on the schools, uh, the Glenmire notice board, lads, could you boost up that font a small little bit on that second screen for me, please? Uh, Who's going to supervise and pay for this hour? The taxpayer again? They're called after school activities for a reason. Why do they bother with the staggered times? Why can't they all just finish at the same time? Yeah. What about people working and trying to make a living and offering a great valuable service, teaching drama and dance and singing, etc. They've suffered so much with the pandemic. Pay the teachers more? Unreal. People have full-time jobs teaching after school and love what they do. But in the present climate, it's so hard. PJ seems to think also good deal, good idea. Wipe out the drama and dance schools children love to go to them separate from school and mix with different children, oh dear. No, no, I I have no view on this, quite frankly, because I'm out of that game now. I have no view on it, at all. Um, But I can see why it might be advantageous for some parents, particularly the thing of them all finishing at the same time. And if you listen to what Fiona said, you know, she's got one child finishing at 2 o'clock and one finishing at half past 12, we'll say, or half, whatever. Like, if there's two trips to the school, if, if they could all finish at the same time and put on some little activity for the children who... I think it, 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 it it's... you, you got to understand the parents having to run up and down as well to these things. 0818969696 Now, we've all been to gigs across the summer. I, I had a great... I was at Ed Sheeran in Croker in April. I was at couple of different gigs. The Pet Shop Boys and uh, Dara O'Brien and Tommy Tiernan and a couple more at the Marquee. I was at Elton John. I was at Westlife. Um, possibly going to go to Garrett Brooks. But, don't know yet. But the one thing you see is phones. I'm guilty of it myself. Phones. Making videos and taking pictures and, and all that crap. And it's kind of part of going to a gig now that you take pictures. But uh, Chris Martin of Coldplay stopped a gig on their present tour. He just stopped. Here's, here's what happened. Yeah. That's not the first time I've seen that happen. I was at the marquee a few years ago when Don Henley played. What a gig. But like that now, we were all told, please keep the phones in the pockets. If you would, please. And then at the end of it, when he did, I think it was Hotel California he did, he said, right, you can film this one. And everyone put up their their their, their phones. And there was loads of different videos at um, Elton John. Of course, people love to to post up their videos Pet Shop Boys as well I even took videos myself there but what what do you think of that he stopped the gig he said can we just have one song where we don't have phones or cameras or devices just one tune where it is ourselves and it's not a hundred years ago that you went to a gig and there was no cameras of any kind and there was no phones of any kind there was no nothing and all you had was your imagination and your memory of the music. And you went out and you talked about it to your friends, and you talked about how good the gig had been. You didn't have a video to, to send to them. I've done this, by the way. I'm not preaching to anybody here. I have a picture or a video of uh, Toto, when they did Africa at the Marquee. I said, I don't know how many th- thousand views since I put it up. Rod Stewart as well, when he was in the in the park. But that idea, that Chris Martin stopped the gig and said, Can we just have one song with no devices? What would you think of that? We, should there be, no matter what the gig, if every other artist like that said, like, supposing last Saturday night or Friday night down at uh, Parky Creek, if Lab said, Right, let's, for the next song, no phones, no devices, how would that have gone down? How would, does Christy Moore still um, not like being filmed at his gigs your thoughts 0818 96, 96, 96. Uh, Mick in Ballyfahan was on he says all the political leaders will be down in Bail-Nabla on Sunday telling you about Michael Collins they will and this is a very significant Bail-Nabla because this is 100 years on Can I advise people to disregard when they say what they say and instead read the book, Michael Collins, in his own words? It's an excellent book that covers what he said about Ireland, what were his aspirations and about the provisional government. Make thanks for that. I've heard about that book. I've never actually read it. I've read a dozen different books about Michael Collins. There's loads of new documentaries going to hit the screens and the radio about Collins. There'll be loads of new articles written about Collins. Over the next uh, few days Or even into the week I think there's a documentary about a post-mortem even To, 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 to be shown um, But that's that's the Recommendation from Mick To get your hands on a book called Michael Collins in his own words Riptide Movement on Cork's 96 FM They are so Successful those guys Electric Picnic They played Glastonbury They played in Delhi of all places the Rolling Stones in Hyde Park Bon Jovi, Neil Young They've worked with them And they come from Lucan in Dublin Riptide Movement They're on their way to Ballycotton They're going to be playing Ballycotton in the Sea Church uh, This month And Malachy joins me from the Riptide Movement Just saying Malachy, I haven't heard that song you know, I love that tune Good morning Good morning PJ, how are you keeping it? Great all together You guys have done a fair bit of touring on the back of songs like that,
0: yeah, we've we, we have yeah, we've been I suppose we've been around a while. We've we started back in two thousand and six, so um, we're sixteen years together as a band now, and we've uh, yeah, we've we've got to do a fair bit in that time. So uh, yeah, we've we've uh, got to got to travel to some great places and play with uh, some of our musical uh, heroes and stuff. So it's been uh, it's been a great journey.
4: There's a great story about how you ended up working with the Rolling Stones. I mean, who doesn't want to work with the Rolling Stones? How did that happen?
0: Yeah, uh, they got one of our demos and then basically just got in touch with our uh, booking agent at the time, Paul, and uh, he rang us then. Paul rang us and said, here, look, uh, the Rolling Stones are looking to put you on the bill on Hyde Park for the return to Hyde Park. And we just could not believe it. Um, You've you're
4: been very modest so- there. No, you, they didn't just get a demo.
0: Bob Dylan... Yeah, yeah, so, 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 so we, uh, so we were told, yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a demo that Bob Dylan passed on to, I think it was Charlie Watts, and uh,
4: and that's how, how the gig came about. Yeah, yeah. and the Neil Young, Bon Jovi, like these are these are big names. Fella.
0: Well, we actually we actually played with Neil Young in Cork. That was in the marquee. Right. Um, that's a
4: few years ago now.
0: Yeah, yeah, that 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 was a that was an amazing gig, and. Um, Again, Neil Young, we'd be all massive fans of yeah. Neil Young. I was away;
15: I missed that and gig. I was away, yeah.
0: Yeah, it was, it was some gig, and uh, and it was just great. We were on the stage for "Rocket" in a Free World as well, which is one of my favourite songs. So it's kind of
4: a it's definitely a a moment that stands out. Fabulous, fabulous, and and Bon Jovi as well. worked with them. So, Sea Church in Ballycotton, first time in Ballycotton. This venue is growing in popularity.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it looks like an amazing venue now. We haven't been there before, but we've, we've heard so much about it and it would be our first time playing it. And it just looks like a, like an amazing
4: venue and a
0: great session. So we, we just can't wait for it now.
4: Yeah, yeah. Like when you started putting a band together in, in, in 2006 in, in Luke and Malachy and looking, for, looking 16 years later and the names you've worked with and the places you've been, is it every little boy's dream?
0: Um yeah well it's definitely we've kind of got to live 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 uh, the dream that we wanted to live now it's been, it has it has its ups and downs but yeah. uh, for the most part it's been it's been great you know we've got to play with some some great people and we've got to play in in some amazing places and amazing festivals and um it's been yeah it's been it's been a great journey uh, and I suppose when we first started out we kind of got lucky because We um, we'd only been together as a band three months and we went to uh, London and that's where we met uh, Tony Colton He's a guy that he produced our first uh, album, on about the dip And Tony had worked with like um, the Allman brothers and Rory Gallagher. He actually produced uh, two of Rory Gallagher's first albums and uh, he worked with Johnny Cash and, and just, just all these legends. And he came to Ireland then to produce our first album. So I think that was a real kind of shot in the arm for us because we had this direct connection with all these greats that we really looked up to, and to have Tony come over and produce our album then, it yeah. was kind of, it just, just gave us the, uh, I suppose, the, the drive to keep doing what we were doing and keep going, and
4: yeah. 16 years later, we have to look back. Fantastic. You're big environmentalists as well, aren't you, uh, we do
0: We do our best. Uh, we, we, we like getting involved in you know, campaigns we believe in, and one of them, um, which we kind of spent a year on, that was back in, Two eighteen, uh, we we kind of spent a whole year making this web series documentary on uh plastic oceans and plastic pollution and we we went around ireland and we met with all environmental scientists and and activists and um we we done a three-part series on us and we we recorded uh music especially for us and we kind of we kind of put a whole year into it but it was a very very enjoyable uh, sure. experience we spent a lot of time in west cork through mm. it as well so it was uh yeah, that was, was
4: that a, was a good bonus. Time. That was a bonus. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I mean, any, anything new in the pipeline? Your recording, the writing, or what's going on?
0: Well, we're we're in the middle of this tour at the moment. We're we're in Whelan's tonight in Dublin, which we we haven't been uh, there in a long, long time. So we we can't wait to play that tonight. That's all out, and um, the the whole tour uh, is kind of it, it's great. It's all the tickets seem to be selling out. I think there's only a handful left for for the Sea Church next week as well, and. And then we're doing we're doing a we're doing a big one in September uh, the tenth in Dublin as well for um, Rock Against Homelessness. Um, so we're doing that on that on September tenth, and then we've uh, the tour kind of finishes out at the end of September. And then we're uh, working on new material and we hope to have an album out in Awesome 23.
4: Fantastic. Maliki. good luck with the tour and the rest of the tour. And uh, good luck with Seachurch.ie for that last fistful of tickets that are there. That's Maliki from the Riptide Movement. I hadn't heard that song in a while. I've forgotten just how good it is, the elephant in the room. Good luck with the with the gig and the tour, Maliki. Thanks for being with us on the opinion line. O eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. I agree with P with, with Chris Martin, says this message. It's so distracting to be at a gig and all you see is a sea of phones. Just enjoy the experience, says Jan. Yeah. Although there was Sometimes when we there was a time when for a slow song, people would hold up lighters and matches and fag butts and and thankfully those days are gone because you couldn't set fire to the stadium. Nowadays, they just lift up the phone and put the light on and it looks great. But that's what Chris Martin did. Your thoughts on that? I mean, I meant to ask Malachy if they mind. God, I forgot completely to ask him if they mind having people filming at the gig. That was a silly thing for me to forget now. Ask him that before he goes off, Fiona. Do they mind people filming at gigs? I'll bet they don't. I'll bet they don't at all. 0818 96 96 96. On the school hours. This is something I've been watching over the years. The school operates a homework club and an after-school club. Uh, five euro per day per child. for Homework club. After-school club also extra. This money goes directly to the teachers. I also think disadvantaged children are further disadvantaged by stuff like this. Right, I'm going to do this. We don't normally do these, but I'm going to do it because it's come in and it's genuine. So this person got on to us and said, yesterday I lost a black and white Adidas cardigan. I don't mind the cardigan, but my keys were in the pocket. I walked from Grand Parade to Washington Street and up to Friars Walk all the way to Ballyfahan I retraced my steps but no joy and I've tried all other avenues open to me Uh, if anybody found it can you let me know and there's a a number supplied so if you found a set of keys uh, between Grand Parade Washington Street Friars Walk, Ballyfahan yesterday and a jacket. If they were in a jacket, black and white Adidas cardigan type jacket. I'm assuming a tracksuit top of some kind. I found a set of keys in it. Uh, you can let us know, and we let the the owner know. They don't care about the jacket. They just want to get the keys back. The opinion line on Corks
3: 96 FM.
1: Hear the full show on our app by podcast or on 96FM.ie. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96, 96,
3: 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96.
1: Email opinion at 96fm.ie.
3: The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan.
1: On Cork's 96FM.
4: Earlier on this morning I had a story in the news about Cadbury bringing out two mystery bars of chocolate. I mentioned it at the very top of the program and of course completely got forgotten then with other topics of conversation that came up and that's the very nature of the opinion line but uh, two mystery types of chocolate they're not going to tell people what the flavor is and they're going to be in the shelves until about the end of October and I was kind of thinking I'm not too sure I'd be too keen on that like there's certain types of chocolate that I love I'm very much a traditionalist I love the old fashioned fruit and nut and I love whole lot and I love irregular chocolate I also love dark chocolate and mint chocolate but I couldn't be dealing with too many surprises, I really couldn't like um, these new mystery flavours, I couldn't, I don't know someone tasted the Cadbury's number one mystery bar and it tasted like a cherry Bakewell tart Okay, sounds alright I suppose but what if someone had an allergy to one of the ingredients? It says D. Surely, the, and another one like that. Surely, the chocolate has to have a list of ingredients for allergy alerts. Okay. Here's the. Here's a bit of fun for the last hour on a Friday before we head into the weekend. All right. And this am just, just after coming out of the demented cavern That is the back of my mind So forgive me Fiona and Fergal I'm just going to throw this out there for what it's worth <laughs> You can flavour chocolate with anything you want Anything you want Okay, What would that thing be? You can make a bar of chocolate Any flavour you like So it's chocolate with whatever you want Garlic Gooseberry We've tried crisps, that didn't work Popcorn, I think you can get that. Mint, you can get. Strawberry, raspberry, orange. No. What would you like? Garlic? I can see some filler. Some, sorry, I can see a cork fuller trying to flavor a chocolate like to be uh, to taste a bit like a, I don't know, like a Casey's Creole or something. What? <laughs> I know we're in fantasy chocolate. It's Friday. Give me a break here. Fantasy chocolate. What's the best? What kind of chocolate? What 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 fantasy flavour would you put into chocolate if you could? And what goes better with a nice bar of chocolate than a good cup of coffee? And I'm most interested to hear about the Coping Club. This is an exciting project, Aaron Carter. Um, good morning, Aaron. Good morning, PJ. This this is the, uh, and Barista Penzi is your Instagram and. Copping Club is your idea. What is it? It is indeed. What is Copping Club?
16: So the the Copping Club is basically a monthly event um, in an effort to get the core coffee community back together. That was what the original plan was. But um, since I've gone on with it, I'm kind of keeping it open to anybody who wants to learn about coffee. So we'll be doing a sensory workshop where we'll stew different fruits um, for 10 hours. We'll taste them and there'll be multiple choices. People will go through what they taste um, and we'll apply that then to coffee cupping. So we'll cup some coffee, which is basically putting coffee under the same pressure and putting in water. um, And we'll go around and taste them and have a good time.
4: So you're talking (laughs) about making things like what, strawberry coffee? That kind
16: of- No, so <clears throat> so we're doing a sensory workshop at the beginning which will be like strewing strewing water for ten hours. And then we'll go around, it'll be a blind tasting, we'll go around and taste it, we'll all talk to each other and figure out what we taste.
1: Right.
16: And then after that we'll um we'll put coffee in the cups then, um, wash everything out, put hot water in, and then we'll cup it and see what flavours we can get from each coffee.
4: Okay. Okay. So so, so it'll be regular coffee, but you'll what you be making it with water you've infused with with fruit or something? Uh, it?
16: No, 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 no. That's just uh, a sorry. I'm I'm, I'm kind of I'm trying, trying to get my head
4: my head around it a little bit. <laughs> it, it, you won't just be you won't just be having regular coffee.
16: No, there'll be regular coffee there, all right, but they'll all be from different origins. So, say okay. we'll have some African coffees. We'll have some coffees from Ethiopia. Some okay. coffees from um, from different areas. We'll basically go through each coffee and then we'll see what we taste. And um, and trying figure out the different flavor notes of the coffee. Okay, so, like, so you, it to you'll the give clinic, me a coffee, but will not tell me what
4: kind of coffee it is. No,
16: no, no. We have to figure that out yourself.
4: I see. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. I oh, got. And wh- where did this idea come from, Aaron?
16: Um, so like we kind of do cuppings in the coffee community anyway, quite regularly, so that we can taste the different processings of coffee, and um, we can taste the different origins and get some sensory skills. Um, so we do that anyway but it's kind of like a, a not elitist but it's kind of a, a small knit thing where only a few people in the coffee community do it mm. so we're basically just trying to open it up to more people so more people can start tasting things mm. um, and, and get some more flavours out of it
4: But by, by sensory skills I, I take it you mean that someone takes a sip of coffee and says I can taste chocolate here
16: Exactly 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 I see I So it's a bit like being a, being a sommelier with wine it's, yeah, that's the, the biggest comparison we, we would give is to wine. So it's basically a wine tasting, but for coffee.
4: Oh my. Maybe the best way to explain it. <laughs> yeah, at least you can drive home after that one. Yeah, you
16: know? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You'd be so, a bit buzzed all right, but you'll get home.
4: Yeah, I know, you mightn't sleep after. but <laughs> No. So, so where, where, where's the first one?
16: So the first one's going to be on in Crush Brew Bar across from Tom Barry's on Barry Street. So mm. big thank you to all the lads in Crush for letting me put that on there. Um, and then the second one should be on in the bookshelf at the Elysian and then the third one may be Cafe Molly, then as well
4: okay and, and <coughs> is there an admission charge or was it
16: we have no admission charge but um, we are going to have a donations box there for anybody that wants to donate to the Cork Coffee community so we can maybe do more events again maybe do bigger scale events and um, we're looking about doing a big scale event sometime next year so
4: yeah. yeah now talk to me about this the whole Cork Coffee community because one thing the, the best thing I ever did, Aaron, as a coffee drinker, was I gave up, I gave up putting sugar in it. Uh, I did that because yeah. I drink so much of the stuff. I'd be the size of a house if I was putting two, two <laughs> spoons of sugar into every cup of coffee. And I discovered Absolutely. when I stopped putting sugar into it, I could taste coffee. And I could taste c- proper, proper coffee. We have a huge range and variety of good quality coffee across Cork, don't we? We
16: have... Some of the best coffee in Ireland, I would, I would argue, and some of the best roasters in Ireland at the moment. Mm. Um, it's a, it's such a wide variety. I think people kind of get honed down on, on their, their own local cafe, and they don't go out and try more coffee. And I think this is just. Uh, a bit of a stepping stone for us to get out there and taste more coffee, go to other cafes, taste coffees from different origins, different processing, etc.
4: Is it like this is it competitive? I mean, a cup of coffee is such a simple thing and so many every everywhere has their own cup of coffee. Does it get competitive Our when people, you know, get recognized for their coffee, be it a cafe or an actual uh, coffee shop itself?
16: Personally, like I do, think it is competitive. But at the same time, I think everyone in Cork, as the Cork coffee community, are all kind of going the same direction with things. I think if we're all talking to each other about coffee, we can move on with coffee, we can move forward, and we can learn new things.
1: Mm.
4: Yeah, I'm. I'm also um, one of these people who who always orders the same type of coffee everywhere yeah. it goes. <laughs> always an Americano. Always, and I've discovered no two. Amer- if you're going to proper coffee shops, no two Americanos taste the same.
16: Not at all. Not at all. <clears throat> if anyone's drinking an Americano out there, I would highly recommend them to ask about a batch brew or a filter behind the counter because you get way more of a pronounced flavor out of it. And it's gorgeous. A batch brew? A batch brew, yeah. It'd be filter coffee. So filter coffee would be a little bit lighter than your standard espresso coffee. Right. But you're going to get more flavors out of it. Um, and you can really taste the coffee more. And yes. there's a slower release of caffeine, but there's more caffeine in as well. Slower yeah. release of time, but more caffeine.
4: Okay, they're telling me they're telling me here that I that I drink treacle, <laughs> and what they mean is all we've, <laughs> all we've got, all we've got in the building is as I'd say any other canteen in the country. Like is is just prison issue. You know what I mean? So you yeah, gotta make yeah. you gotta make it. <laughs> <tweak. laughs> yeah. All right, Aaron. So the first him, the first one is on just there opposite town. The first Barry's. one
16: is on yeah Tom Barry's this Saturday 6 o'clock um, it should be on until 8 o'clock anybody's welcome not just people of the Cork Coffee community okay. um, and if anybody wants to know any more information just sign up to the to the mailing list in my bio here's a little bit of a, um, okay. of, a of a of a workshop there as well you okay
4: Barista Penzi is your Instagram At the Copping Club is the project good luck with it Aaron Carter bringing the Cork Coffee community together Oh, 0818969696 on your flavours of chocolate crab claws and mussels what? forget about the chippers, says Jimmy <laughs> I used to love the, the coffee flavoured roses but they stopped making them yes, yes, actually I, the coffee cream as a chocolate seems to have disappeared from, and watch, watch the Brown Thomas Christmas shop is open by the way it opened the other day. Uh, this today is Friday. Let me tell you something that might depress you a little bit. Eighteen weeks tomorrow. <laughs> Eighteen weeks tomorrow's Christmas Eve. So it's it's not a million miles away. Um, and and with we'll, all of the Christmas boxes, you know the celebrations and the Quality Street and the roses and all that, they'll all be in the shops in about another three weeks' time if they're not there already. Um. But you don't get and the quality. Yeah, you 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 don't get too many coffee creams in them anymore. I used to love them, love them, and love coffee cake too. Love coffee cake. So, yeah, I I think a coffee flavored chocolate bar. Imagine that, Cadbury's Americano. How cool would that be? Caramel iced coffee. Says, uh, oh, that's I didn't know a name on that one. Caramel... A few years ago, I had a Vegemite dairy milk from a uh, uh, Vegemite dairy milk from Australia. Not very nice, no, not very nice. That's like that's like bovril flavored chocolate. Like,
1: uh, yuck.
4: Now we were talking last week um, about, or was it earlier this week? Do you remember the fella who lost a bet, and he? Ended up getting Marty Whelan's face tattooed on his leg. (laughs) Do you remember that story? Well, a few years ago, I lost a bet. Now, it's quite a few years ago. I lost a bet, and the bet was, I bet you wouldn't do the uh, cork naked bike ride. And I thought, yeah, I'm up for that. Sure, I did the thing with Spencer Tunic. I did. Out at Blarney Castle. I did that thing with Spencer Tunic. We all... Hundreds of us stood As naked as they would come into the world At the crack of dawn in the morning for a photograph And then someone bet me I bet you wouldn't do the cork naked bike ride And I lost that one Because I did not have The courage to go through with it That's years ago That one was at sort of Dawn of the morning There's one coming up Another cork naked bike ride Tomorrow Or is it, no sorry, next Saturday Saturday week and Stephen Bolton, from the Irish Naturist Association. It's in the middle of the day. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you today? Good, good, good. The, I mean, I remember the one, and I chickened out. I literally stood there with my yeah. bike, and I go, "No, better not." And I went in, and I no, go, I. <laughs> you know. that's
17: a completely understandable um, uh, fear to have. You know, I had that myself. That the first time I did it, I, I I did my first bike ride, um, in twenty seventeen. And my heart was pumping out of my chest. The a couple of hours beforehand, going, "What am I doing? This is mental! I'm cycling around the city in the dark, like it's madness." But and that I, was, I, so they used yeah, to be at yeah.
4: first light or no light, but now you're doing it at three nope. o'clock in the afternoon. Exactly. exactly.
17: Yeah. Yeah. So that's the, yeah. So um, yeah. Just in a correction, it is next Saturday, the twenty seventh. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Um, and yes, between three and five o'clock in the afternoon. So if anyone's out and about
4: in the town, you'll see us. Um, you won't be able to miss you. Talk it, to me about the history exactly. of the world of naked bike ride, though. There's a there's a, there's a purpose to this, and it's it's not just quantity. exactly.
17: Yeah. Uh, so it started in the early two thousands with um, as a bike safety campaign. You know that there was a feeling of vulnerability for cyclists. You know we were there was a, a few notable deaths in a in Spain and. As a result, the friends and family of the, the poor individuals that were happened to be killed when they were out cycling got together, got naked, and just wrote some slogans on their backs saying, well, can you see me now? Um, and then cycle around the town um, to promote how vulnerable you are as a as, as, as road user.
4: And you it, know, became as a a cyclist. World, it became a
17: global movement. Oh, it's massive. It's, it's in over 100 cities all over the world. And obviously there was a bit of a slowdown there over the last couple of years mm. with it, um, especially with the with the Cork ride, um, because that's um, we're so heavily reliant on body painting and artists and stuff like that as well. You know, rely on Cork to do it differently, where everyone else can get together and, and just strip off and go for a cycle. No, but Cork have to get the artists involved yeah. and do this beautiful body painting
4: um, on all the
17: participants as mm. well.
4: I remember at the year that that I got involved or thought about getting involved yeah. it was in the old uh, Camden Palace down there, exactly, on, and and there was loads. They were there. People were there from two a.m. being painted up and decorated up, and, and they looked fabulous.
17: Oh yeah, it's, it's it's a brand new kind of art form that's been taken off over the last few years as well, as a result of the the bike ride. You know, we have fantastic artists and and models and uh, participants that, that want to explore it, and they feel amazing. Plus, as well, when you're cycling around with the body paint on, you know, it does give you a bit of a anonymity. You know, yeah. people can't really it, recognize it. It might also you.
4: take the attention away from certain... Exactly. Because yeah. well, the one thought that I had at the time was that if I, God forbid, and it's never going to happen, if, if I strip off and mm. walk Naked down Patrick Street at three o'clock in the afternoon, my chances of being arrested are quite high. Um, Uh,
17: Not particularly. It's not illegal. Is it not? It's not illegal. No. No, it is not illegal to be naked in public as long as you don't mean to cause alarm, distress, or offence. Now, that's a new law that was changed recently in 2017. Right. Um, uh, But again, if it again it in strength in numbers when you have a big group of cyclists going around, um, and you don't necessarily have to be completely naked either. You know, you can
4: wear shorts or, or, or something if you like. Uh, no, I'm a thinking nice other, other, as other, well. than, other than giving poor old Mrs Maloney a heart attack as she comes out of Duns with her few bits of shopping.
17: <laughs> <laughs> no, I when I did it, because I've done it a few years now, and all you see is smiling faces, um, from. Uh-huh. Everyone in town, you know, thousands mammy, of people that, smiling. Exactly, yeah, that's it's brilliant, yeah. ah, oh, shit, sure, they're, they're blown away by the colours, by the art, yeah. by the noise and, and Dad gets the in there, do are, the are you
4: watching? What are you looking at? <laughs> <laughs> no,
17: it's You'll great. When, look,
4: yeah. You're short of art. We'll be all over but,
17: the paper. Yeah, yes, yes. So that's the the, so there's a a number of um, reasons why we're doing this this year as well. Obviously for bike safety, but we're doing it as a fundraiser for to get some money together as well for the Camden Palace, Um, because that's been closed down now for a number of years. And that was a fantastic meeting place for artists and and creatives to get together and come up with new crazy ideas like the bike ride. Um so we're looking for fundraising for that as well, or at least promoting that. And yes, we are looking for artists at the moment as well. So there's um anyone that might be comfortable enough with a bit of art. You know, you know, you're gonna have students from the, the art college from Crawford um, that might be okay with, you know, a bit of art. Body um, art. And yes. Well any sort of art anyway. It's all you know transferable um, anyone that has any ideas any graffiti artists? now obviously we won't be using that kind of paint but <laughs> we have a special kind of body paint
5: I uh, that, yeah.
17: that's easy on it's a water based paint as well so
4: yeah, yeah. How long? How, how quickly will it come off afterwards is the other thing people want to know
17: um, Well it'll stay on uh, so it'll, you, the way the day breaks down so we're going to have a big photo shoot in the morning right. then there's the body painting and um, get together so that'll be about four or five hours of artists and models uh, getting painted and then the bike ride itself so it'll stay on for the bike ride itself and sure it'll stay on for a couple of hours afterwards as well but it's very easy to wash off just a standard you know normal shower, shower wash it all off okay. yeah
4: now you've got links up there's a facebook page naked bike ride and all that so, so where can people yes find out more and if they want to volunteer or offer services and artists where can they get involved
17: well, again, yes, like you said there, so on the Facebook page, um, so it's uh, WNBR, World Naked Bike Ride, WNBR Cork 2022. Okay. Uh, that'll have all the links uh, up for the photo shoot, for the body painting, and for the bike ride itself. All right.
4: Okay. Stephen, yeah. good good luck with it. Mate. It's uh, Saturday week, twenty seventh. Hope the weather holds. I really—the uh, last thing you want, actually, Stephen, is it raining, because uh, all that muddy. Paint. I know. It'll run. It'll run. It'll just be a mess. You'll you'll see us like breadcrumbs all around the city. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and strips, stripes of paint behind you on the road as it all. Exactly.
17: <laughs> ah, but the, exactly. The streets uh, will look well, fantastic. Well now, yeah. well,
4: now, my our 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 man at uh, Carlo Weather, Alan. Has yes. been predicting that the last week of August that there's a, a an improvement coming again in the weather and we oh. could be getting some back to school weather. So the twenty seventh just might be the perfect day for the Cork Naked Bike Ride. W N B R Cork Stephen Bolton and the Irish Naturist Association thanks a million. I, I didn't have the I didn't have the guts to go through with it then, and I don't have the guts to go through with it now. Which, seeing as I stood in the grounds of Barney, Blarney Castle at five o'clock in the morning with nothing on me, holding a rose between my teeth. That's another story. I did. I did. I did. Yeah. Someone actually sent me afterwards a print of that picture, that Spencer Tunic picture. Spencer Tunic, if you've never heard of him, is an artist who travels the world gathering people in the queerest of places, hundreds of them stark naked and takes pictures of them. Um, And he did one in Blarney Castle and I went to it 5 o'clock in the morning and someone sent me a print of it afterwards. With a circle at the bottom of it. Found you! I've been hearing so much about this particular show that I can't wait to get along to see it. It is many a long day since my feet crossed the threshold of Copperface Jags. And I may tell you if you've never been there, it is an experience. It most certainly is an experience. Uh, there's no describing it unless you actually go there. And that experience is being brought to the stage by uh, Paul Howard, who of course created all the russo Carroll Kelly books and plays. But Copperface Jack's The Musical is coming to Cork for a week at the Opera House And one of the stars of it Is uh, Fiona Carroll, uh, Also known for Mrs. Brown's Boys Fiona, good morning Good morning, how are you doing? Good, and good to chat with you, girl um, It is an experience And unless you've been there You don't quite know what Copper's is, do you? <laughs>
10: Well, I'm told actually. I I think I've been in coppers maybe twice in my lifetime and on both occasions I don't really have that much of a memory.
4: That tends to be. (laughs) It's kind of one of those, (laughs)
10: yeah, it's one of those places where everybody ends up at the end of an evening, you know, it's like, you know, where do we go now? Oh, let's go to coppers.
4: (laughs) Now remember the first night it opened up after the pandemic and the queue was nearly three streets long.
10: Oh, I can only imagine. I'd say everyone was mad to get in, especially after the pandemic.
4: <laughs> like it's a legendary nightclub, but how did how has Paul gone and turned a legendary nightclub into a stage show?
10: Ah, uh, well, that's the beauty of Paul, isn't it? He's able to make every situation into a funny situation, and that's the thing about Coppers. It's um, it's become quite a, an iconic place. It's like you haven't been to Ireland unless you've been to Coppers, and um, so he's managed to actually um turn it into a fantastic, funny stage show. And I'm uh, and it all around the whole rivalry as well between sort of Dublin and Kerry and the GAA and it's the All Ireland final and um, and you've got a beautiful love story in there as well. Yeah. And uh, and then you've got me who plays the part of Gretchen. Uh, she's an American kind of feminist who kind of comes in to shake things up a little bit. She's a bit of a catalyst for things. Oh,
4: so she's so hor- she's there. horrified by what she sees.
10: Oh yeah, yeah. She's a bit of more of a serious character. Um but um not necessarily horrified, but she has she has a bit of a one night stand and gets herself into trouble. And then she comes back to uh to, to get Gino, who's played by the fantastic Johnny Ward, yeah. um, to take responsibility for this one night stand. But uh. um he's just found love with the beautiful Kerry girl, uh Nolene. So um You've got the drama, and it's hilarious too. It's very, very funny.
4: Oh, listen! I, it, if it's if it's Paul Howard, it's going to be it's going to be funny. Um, but I, I'm just thinking. You see, I would. I mean, you mean you're a dub? I thought dubs don't like coppers because it's for all the Kulshis.
10: Ah, come on now! It's one of those places that everyone kind of does the whole. You know where'd you end up? Oh, I ended up in Coppers, but I don't know anybody who's been to Coppers and actually hasn't had a good night.
4: Oh yeah, or at least what they remember of it was good. Anyway,
10: well, yes, yes, I think I fall into that category. Yeah. Unfortunately,
4: Lo- love stories <laughs> begin at Coppers. I mean, like there might be in there might be a few people who had sort of ended up in Gretchen's situation.
10: Well, I've no doubt. I have no doubt. But uh, no, Coppers seems to be the place to be and the place to meet. And I think um, I'm a little bit older now, so it's been a long time since I was in coppers. But um, from what I remember, it was kind of where all the guards and the nurses and the teachers and that's where everyone went, really, you know. So it was kind of known for that. Um, And as far as I'm aware, or what I've been told is that, um, you know, if you go into coppers and you're not kind of, you know, grope slightly
8: then there's something wrong yeah
4: we had a legendary nightclub in Cork for years Um, I DJ'd there for a number of years it was called Chandra's and I I, that that, like Chandra's was a wild spot and Copperface Jack's that I remember is like Chandra's on steroids so it's 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 (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's why I want to. See, that's why I want to see this show because it 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 really. You has. know what?
10: You will come out buzzing, and you'd be wishing the Chandra's was still open. And you'd be still and you singing want to go back because it's
4: some great songs.
10: Oh, you will be, be still singing. Do you know what? It's one of those shows, um, and it's very unique in that sense that every night, matinee or evening show, by the end of the show, everybody is up on their feet dancing. Yeah. Everybody is up on their feet with their hands in the air, buzzing, and. But people who come to the show with no intention of going out are afterwards going... Oh, my God, I feel like I have to go dancing now.
4: (laughs) Pity, Pity Coppers isn't open. (laughs) Exactly.
10: It actually is open. It is open. In fact, I think one or two of the cast members ended up there um, the
4: other night. Oh, telling secrets now, Fiona. So, yeah, you're down in the Opera House for for a week, uh, coming up very, very soon. And by the way, can I ask you about your other, the the other thing we know you for, um, Mrs. (laughs) Brown? Are the Christmas specials done or being done yet?
10: They are going to be filmed in October um, and there's also, um, I think I'm allowed to say because it's the, the first episode is going to be filmed in October as well, but we're going to do a four-part little series. Um, so normally an, normally a series of six episodes, but we're going to do a, like a mini one of four episodes. Uh, and that'll be due to be aired uh, next year. So that's exciting. Oh,
4: brilliant. That's so cool to hear. So Copperfish, Jack's the Musical and Mrs. Brown's Boys back at at, at Christmas time. and Give my best to Brendan, won't you, when you see him, Fiona? And also give my best to Adele when you see her. I
10: will, of course. Oh, you fits. know Adele.
4: Oh, back. we're oh, old friends. Adele. We go back. Ask Adele about Chandras. The stories she'll tell you.
10: Oh, God, oh, God, now
4: she would be telling secrets. Fiona, good to have you on the show. Fiona O'Carroll of Mrs. Bryce and of Copperface Jackson Musicals, which is at the the Opera House uh, later this month. It's on the 23rd to 28th of August. Now, if I read this out before, I I apologise for doing it again. I genuinely can't remember whether I did or not because I've been very busy on the messages this morning. But having been talking about the World Naked Bike Ride... Uh, this becomes relevant again John O'Donovan was on he said they're talking about plans for cycle lanes in Balifahan and only a few weeks ago there was a packed meeting in Balifahan and there was holy war over this proposal it doesn't suit business because people can't pull up outside the premises. It doesn't suit funerals. Very few people actually want these cycle lanes. And if the council press ahead with the plan, then it'll be like the Irish Water Movement will be taken to the streets in protest, says John. Interesting to watch that one uh, with regard to the world naked bike ride. shall wear your high heels and your high vis vest. I know, I know. Now, the electric, we hear this in the uh, news uh, running during the morning that there's a possibility, there's a worry about blackouts at peak time in the winter. A lot of people are blaming data centers for that, but we are going to, we could run short of gas and we could run short of the way of generating electricity. And they, we are being told that heading into the winter, it's a possibility, it can't be ruled out that we could have some blackouts, which I sincerely hope doesn't happen. Power outage is coming, says Jimmy and Cove. Power outage is coming, electric and gas. Okay, we get that. But these guys will still be charging us. This is a good point he makes. They'll still charge us this standing charge. Like, what's that for? If you go to the shop, there's no standing charge for going in the door. Why are there standing charges? Why are they allowed to get away with it? That's from Jimmy and Cove. And Jimmy, you make that point. It's a very valid point. If you go away on your holidays for a month and you don't use any gas and you don't use any electric, you'll still be charged, a standing charge. I wonder how many other places, does any other utility that you know of do that, a standing charge for the sheer pleasure of having something come to your door that you might not use from one end of the week to the other. That's a good point, Jimmy. Thanks. Even if there are power outages, there'll still be a standing charge. (laughs) John says, I was talking with Chandra's, Um, the, the most more famous nightclub was the Hilton. That was more like Copperface Jacks. All the nurses and guards went there. That's true, actually. All the nurses and guards did go to the Hilton. It used to be called Grab a Granny, but that wasn't what it was like at all. It was all age groups. So much so that one day a fella was inside. (laughs) John, I can't read that out. One one night there was a fella in the Hilton, and he asked this one, would she go for the shift? And she says, go away out of that, I'm your aunt. John, please. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Back in January, I was talking to Niall O'Mahony from O'Mahony's Bar in Newcestown about an idea that he had for the Michael Collins commemoration—one hundred years since the death of Michael Collins. And the idea was. It was based on that line in the Michael Collins film that Liam Neeson stars at Michael Collins. You know, who'll take my place? Where he's speaking to this massive crowd. Who'll take my place? It was based on that. And the idea was, now you'd get as many people as possible with the name of Michael Collins to come to Newstestown this weekend. It's been a very successful project, hasn't it? Good morning.
15: Yes, yes, So far so good. It's been a great uh, great attraction this week now. We have people coming from all over Ireland from Dublin, Mead, Galway, Limerick and all over Cork. How many How many, very did you proud have? How many At mic- the moment we at the moment we're, we're heading for 50 mark. Right. And that's not including people who have not contacted us now and made, you know, have been registered online or anything. so we reckon we're going to beat that as well. So at the moment it is getting great uh, airplay by you. And by the social media as well. So there's a great interest now coming up a couple of days up to the anniversary day. Uh, so it's, it's it's looking very good for us.
4: Right. Now you a couple of exceptional stories. One man is coming down from Dublin by train.
15: Yes, this this uh, gentleman rang me, he was his name's Michael Collins of course. He's coming by train down to Cork and getting a bus to Bendon. I wanted to know how would he get to our town and where could he stay. So we've we're gonna pick him up off the bus in Bendon and we're gonna put him up for the night. We're going to take him down to the monument on Monday again to see the, the official re And we're going to get him back to the train at Cork on Monday. So right, cool. uh, that man is making such an effort, we say we'd see after him very good and you have a
4: man from Upton who is in a wheelchair and you're helping yes, one him of the,
15: one, of the, one, of, one of the men from Upton is coming in a wheelchair so two carers are coming up with him on, uh, on Sunday coming over especially to um, to um, to, be, to be a part of it his name is Michael Collins and he wants to be a part of it so they'll oblige him so we'll oblige him as well right. and we keep the space for him there and see after when they come as well you have a father so and just, son? Uh, we have a lot of father and sons <laughs> it, 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 a, you know we talked to Michael Collins the TD South West and his son were, were unique but they're not there's a good few more fathers and sons coming from all over the country we have a couple from me there around the other day looking for accommodation and we put the word out around the local uh, local village here and we, we found accommodation for him as well and his name was Michael Collins and, and I asked him like, I mean, I said you're making a lot of effort to come he said jeez my name is Michael Collins for no reason he said yeah. so I'm proud Michael Collins you're, the little pub will be packed well now I'm standing in the marquee we have probably a marquee in the car park um, so the forecast wasn't looking great for Sunday but it'll be okay now I think yeah. but uh, we have a marquee with live music and we have food courts uh, adjacent to that as well for Sunday all day Sunday so we're catering for the crowd now, again not sure how many are going to come but we're, we're, we're expecting a big crowd now Sunday so and, um, 50 the original, you know, 50 yeah. that you know of 50 that we know of so far yeah so we, we have a registration where people will sign in and show their ID they'll get a certificate of participation and uh, the first 50 register we we'll get a free unique t-shirt a one off t-shirt um, with the stiletto with the, with the, with the of Michael Collins on it and the D8 and all that on it and there's a free drink for all Michael Collinses we promise that and we're going to stick to it
4: Excellent, alright, because remember we said in January I said if there's a mob come they'll yeah, <laughs> yeah, run we'll out live. of yeah, beer
15: yeah. We'll run out of beer, but there's a couple of lotteries coming in today with more beer, so we'll be okay that way We'll be okay <laughs> Do
4: you know what, it really has worked out a great a great idea um, I mean, I know it's a very solemn weekend and a solemn commemoration yeah. of the story, um, yeah. and I, we're going to. I think while you're there, we're going to see a hundred newspaper articles and and more documentaries and, and all of that, and I suppose you can't but be fascinated by by the history of the whole thing. I, I I guess part of the conversation all over the weekend, Niall, will be what really happened.
15: Yeah, PJ, like that. That, that is not lost on us, like that this, this hero versus legend was killed down the road from us. It, it's not lost on us, but it's history that we must embrace and we must remember and we must just, you know, I mean, looking back and say who did this and all that, I don't think that's relevant anymore. I don't know are doing a documentary. I don't think that's relevant. History was history and there was things happened back then that no one wants to talk about again and that's fine, but they happened, we'll remember them and um, honour them and we're going to honour them as best we can here. And know his family have a big gathering over the weekend as well, the Collins family, and you know, it, it the man was killed, like you know, so that, mm. that that's very poignant as well, like it is,
4: it is, it is. But having an event like this is is a nice one. And it's th- a nice touch, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the people are asking what the pub is called. There ain't there there ain't oh, exactly yeah. a long line of pubs in New town.
15: We're a crossroads village with one pub on Annie's there straight across the road from the church, and um, you know, we, this pub was born in 1920 by the Black and Tan, so. We missed that anniversary, but we're going to hold that now in October, October 12th as well, 20th, 20th of October. We missed that two years ago. So we're actually, PJ, we're very lucky to be able to honour Michael Collins this year. The COVID didn't spoil that day as that's well. That's right. That's right. So, um, so we've, we, that's why we jumped in it. This is a big day out now for everybody. And it's just something quirky. And if we can get 50, 60, 70, 80 Michael Collins in the photograph together, I think that'll be very unique. Send and I think- me
4: that photograph and we'll share it. That, will, that, that'll, be, be a, that'll be a big day. Michael, or Nile, thanks very much for that. Uh, Niall and Mahoney from Mahoney's Bar in New in County Cork, gathering as many Michael Collinses as they possibly can together uh, for the weekend. And they have 50 that they know about. And I'm sure many others will just rock up on the day. And if you turn up on the day and you can show your ID and prove your name is Michael Collins, there'll be a little treat in it for you. Over the weekend as well, something that you might want to look out for is... This chap now he's he's a bit taken by all the publicity. he's a bit blown away by all the publicity, but this, we got a word of it during the week that this lad had got himself a camouflage suit <laughs> and in blarney and and he was he was hiding in in ditches and bushes and and popping out to wave and of course, he was just doing it for a bit of fun. Gone viral. Talk. bio picked it up. We picked it up. It went mad on social media. He was walking out from behind bushes and ditches, and no one knows who he is. All we know is, hello. <laughs> he's the camouflage kid from Blarney. Well, we know who he is, and we would we, we love to have talked to him, but he's gone he, very shy. He's very shy. So maybe, maybe he's it's kind of the the camouflage version of the Stig. Do you remember the Stig from from Top Gear? No one really knew who the Stig was. Yeah, this is the camouflage kid. The camo kid from Blarney. Keep an eye out for him over the weekend. If you get a picture of him, actually, because you won't be able to identify him from the picture, but if you get a picture of him, uh, send it in to us.
1: You're listening to Highlights from the Opinion Line on COREX 96FM.
8: Hear the full show on our app, by podcast, or on 96FM.ie.